we're going to talk about Night Game. And uh, I guess technically this is the second episode of the new podcast. And uh, we're going to be covering everything related to meeting women in social situations. And the vast majority of these situations occur at night, which is why I'm calling it Night Game. And by social situations, I mean any venue or event where it's socially acceptable and encouraged to talk to strangers. So, you know, last week we covered day game, which is basically the term that the dating community uses to describe meeting women in non-social environments like coffee shops, subway, public transportation, walking down the street, etc. So I'm really excited about this podcast because we've got some super awesome guests and mods on the call. Um, total experts on the subject, including a professional club promoter who also runs a production company who parties six nights a week with smoke and hot bottles. Um, you guys know him in the group as Ben. There's also Maxwell, who's the head of Verge Campus Tours, and he runs two college camping music tours per year. So he's going to be talking about um, event type of meeting women at events, um, you know, specific uh, concerts, events like that, shows. So, and I'm going to be talking more about bar stuff. Uh, you know, your run of the mill going out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night to meet women at the bars. So I'm going to dive into the stuff first, and then those guys will be on in a little bit to share their points. And guys, if you have anything you want to, you know, add in, feel free to interrupt me. And for you guys, if you have questions, um, anything that you want answered like right on the spot, feel free to unmute yourself and chime in uh, or just hold your questions till the end and we'll have some time to go through. So we got a bunch of content. I hope we can make it through. If not, we can always continue the call on next Wednesday, but let's talk about the bars. So first, quickly, mistakes that guys make while out. Uh, these are run-of-the-mill, typical mistakes. Most of you guys in this call don't do any of this shit, and if you do, then... <laughs> Stop it. Uh, most guys you'll see out of the bars, they'll walk in, they'll get a drink, and then they'll creepily stand on the side of the dance floor scoping out girls. Big no-no. Uh, they'll hesitate to approach. They'll wait until it's too late, a.k.a. wait until they're shit-faced because they're waiting for liquid courage to kick in. They'll waste time talking to women they have no shot with, or they'll spend an entire evening one-on-one -on -one with a girl they've got no chance to take home, due to logistical reasons like her being the designated driver for a group of four friends and other situations where this happens a lot is bachelorette parties. That's it all. Um, bachelorette parties where girls are, you know, just hanging out with a big group of friends or loyal to the bachelorette and they're not ever coming home with you. I can't tell you how many times I've wasted you know, nights out partying with bachelorettes just never leaves anywhere. Um, another big mistake guys make is they try to have logical conversations that bore the crap out of girls. Try to have a logical conversation in a bar, club, or a party type environment is just boring and it sucks. Um, girls will very quickly be gone. Uh, guys will offer to buy drinks the second they meet a woman just to buy her time. And this is never the reason to buy a girl a drink. You buy her a drink after you've got some attraction from her, connected with her, and it's time to get some one-on-one -on -one and you're drinking anyway. Not touching early on enough to establish a physical connection is a big mistake. 
guys will walk in, they'll be talking to a girl, they'll never touch her for 30 minutes, and then all of a sudden they're like, how do I make out with her? Well, if you don't ever touch a girl, she's probably not going to touch you back a whole lot. Um, or at least if you position yourself so far away where she can't touch you back, that's no good. Um, failing to isolate. Spending too much time talking to girls and their friends, not enough time one-on-one. Failing to shift gears in conversation. Uh, you know, spending the whole time just joking around goofing when it's clear that it's time to shift into more of a, you know, getting to know her type of vibe or going way too quickly into just a getting to know her type of vibe, bombing her with interview style, biographical questions and failing to make any sort of fun physical connection and banter. So I want to talk first about venues and a couple key points, things to be aware of. Uh, just to give you guys a couple examples, for those of you who partied in LA, who spent any time with me, you'll certainly, or hopefully you've experienced these two places. Um, one of them is really new, so you probably haven't, but my favorite two bars in LA are The Bungalow and Isabel. Laurel Hardware used to be my second favorite, but Isabel is uh, from the same owners. They just opened it. It's a better venue. It's bigger. There's more, you know, it's, it's a... I'll, I'll tell you why in a second, but both these places, the reasons why they're so great, Bungalow and Isabel, and more hardware too, is they have multiple bars inside, um, bars outside. They've got outside patios, they've got booths, they've got little quiet nooks and loungy laid-back types of parts of the bar. Um, they usually have music that's loud enough to create a fun environment, but it's not so loud that you can't hold a conversation with a small group of people. You know, if if you have a table of four, you guys can all hear each other pretty well. A table of six or more, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. But I love these places because conversation skills win out at the end of the day. Um, if you have solid conversation skills, which is, for me anyways, the biggest part of my game that I've been working on since day one, I do really well in these environments. And if you're not, you know, if, if you don't have a, a huge crew of hot girls to roll with, if you're not you know, a tall, really attractive guy, conversation skills are the great equalizer. So you can do a lot more damage in a place like this if you're lacking in some of the other areas. So for any, what I mean by a bar is basically anything that resembles this sort of environment where it's quiet enough to be heard. There's obviously going to be music, but it's not so loud that you can't have a conversation like a club. Another example I want to mention is a dive bar. Dive bars are also great for these reasons, but they don't present all the options that a place like a bungalow does. There's no spots to venue change. A dive bar is what I mean by a typical bar. It's just a long bar. There's no tables or anything. People just stand there. They get wasted. Maybe they've got a, you know, some fun little games like pool or darts, uh, which are great too. But they don't really have a loungy vibe. They have a more like let's get fucked up and drink vibe. And typically if I meet a woman in a place like this, there's not a lot of room to, to venue change her within the venue like you can at Bungalow or Isabel. So I will focus on moving her out of that bar as soon as I can. Uh, most places in New York are smaller. So they're, so what I mean by that is they're going to be more in this kind of dive bar description. Places in Phoenix, for example, are huge. And those are synonymous with a place like the Bungalow or Isabel or Hardware. And the last venue that we'll talk about well, we're going to talk also about events. Maxwell's going to talk about that. Um, but clubs. Clubs are a ton of fun. But if you're not going to throw down for bottle service, you're almost better off not going. 
And I'm specifically talking about clubs in major cities like L.A., New York, Miami, Paris. And these clubs are designed specifically for bottle service. If you walk into a place like Hooray Henry's, there's a bar at the front and no one is ever at the bar. Everyone is at the table that take up 90% of the venue. And that's where the party is happening. To be specific, it's it's major markets. It's Miami, L.A., New York, and then any anywhere you know overseas that has that that same you know ideal. But in majority of the cities in the U.S., you can go to a club without buying a table. And I urge you to go to those hybrid models like we saw in Scottsdale or that exist in Boston because there is still a high percentage of chance that the girls who are getting down and who are who are more likely to be picked up are in those spaces. So, uh, you know, these, these are this is advice is for major market um, clubs. Right. Anywhere that's considered a hybrid, like Hi-Fi, Bottle Blonde, Whiskey Row, and Scottsdale, I'm not call- those are not fucking clubs. <laughs> Excuse my French. Those are bars. Okay. Bottle Blonde is not a club. It is a bar. Yeah. You get into gray areas in little bigger cities than um, Scottsdale, like a Boston or a San Francisco. Where where you got there is generation. yeah exactly. So for for the purpose of this conversation, consider anything that's a hybrid is a bar, and consider anything that's purely like ninety percent of the venue is table bottle service. That is what I mean by a club. And um, the reason why they have these kind of hybrid models in these smaller markets is because they don't have enough big spenders to support a bottle service only venue. In a place like New York or Paris, you have enough guys, you have enough promoters and huge fashion, entertainment, modeling industry where, you know, you could, you can have a place that is going to be a minimum of a couple thousand dollars to party there. But there, there's not a lot of guys who can afford that, you know, night in and night out in a place like Scottsdale, even though there's a lot of money there. It just doesn't have a, a big enough market. Um, and the best way to utilize these these clubs that I'm talking about in these major metropolitan cities is to bring hot girls with you, have a table, throw a party, leverage that situation to meet other chicks. And Ben is going to talk about this because he's the greatest expert I've ever met. And I've met pretty much everyone there is to meet in the nightlife scene in all of these major cities. So when you walk into a venue and I'm talking about now back to bars, dive bars, even a club too, take a lap, Scope out the place. Look for places where you can isolate, like back areas, places to sit. Um, I use the bungalow as a great example. When you walk into a bungalow, the first thing you see is a ping pong table. People playing beer pong, ping pong. On the right, there's a little room with a pool table. And then you walk into like the main bar area where there's a bunch of tables where people can get bottle service, but more so there's a bunch of room for people to just stand. It's outside during the summer. In the winter, they put a cover over it. There's a huge bar at the back. And then you walk into the inside, and there's another room that's almost the same size with a bunch of couches. Uh, there's a large bar there as well. And then if you walk back to the hidden area that a lot of people don't even know about, there's a fire pit. There's a small little bar that services you know, this area. Um, there's a long table where you can order food. And there's this really cool spot that I didn't even know about until like I've been going there for almost six months, which is literally a makeout spot. There's a bench behind a bunch of bushes and it's just off the side of that little back bar. And it's like 
they designed it as a makeout spot. So if you know your way around a bar like this, there's so many opportunities for, you know, to move girls around and isolate them. And if you're going out with the intention of, you know, having fun, you need to know those things. So, you know, do your homework. It's great to go to bars. Um, the same bars often get to know the door people. Ben will talk about that. But real quick, what I do in that situation is every time I go, I learn the bouncer's name. I write it down in a note. Anytime a bartender serves me, I shake his hand. I get his or her name. I write that down in a note with a description of what these people look like. If it's a slow time, I'll shoot the shit with them for a little bit, try to make a quick connection so they remember my face. Um, if it's busy, I'm not going to waste their time. But the next time I see them, I'll address them by their first name, shake their hand, and be like, hey, man, how's it going? Good to see you again. And you know, establish that I know them, I'm cool, I'm on a first-name basis, and I can't tell you how many times I've been able to skip the lines and get free drinks just for being cool and remembering people's names. So body language-wise, Whenever you're in a venue, regardless, take up space, find the best real estate. Don't go sharking around the venue like a predator looking for prey. Um, you know, be relaxed. Um, don't try to like, you know, flex your chest or show how alpha you are. And also don't be meek and worried and scared for, for guys that haven't spent a lot of time at the bars before, you know, it's it's a new experience. It was funny. I was uh I was out with my little brother who's 18, and we snuck him into a bar, and he was like, "Hey, can you order for me?" Like I don't know what to do, and I forgot. <laughs> I used to experience that, like when I first turned 21 and started going to bars. Like the the thought of just ordering a drink or like finding a place to sit or stand at a bar was a little bit intimidating. So spend some time at these places. Get comfortable in the situation. Your body language will improve from that. So. Before I go into the bar game flow chart, which is something that a lot of you guys must call have heard, but I'm always making changes to it, streamlining it. Um, and for those of you who may have not heard about it, um, it's basically a template you can follow to optimize your time in a bar. And um, I was out, I want to tell you a quick story that illustrates the bar game flow chart and then kind of go into the details about it. Um, so I was out in London. This was in 2012, I believe, uh, right after speaking at the 21 convention. And I was out with two clients. We weren't doing any specific infield coaching that night. We were just out partying together. And uh, we got a good recommendation of a bar in Piccadilly Circus that attracts a lot of tourists. That's a tourist part of town. Um, so we went into this place, me and these two guys. We took a quick lap. You know, we assessed the venue. We looked for, you know, cool little spots. We found the, the best kind of corner of the bar area. We posted up and grabbed some drinks. And it's important to find a spot where you can make eye contact with women because it's the easiest way to open. If you can get a little eye contact, that goes a long way. I noticed a girl checking me out pretty close, like right away. And um, the first time I caught her looking at me, she looked away, didn't really have a chance to give, like even show any sort of expression. And then a second, you know, 30 seconds later, I looked over again. I caught her checking out again quickly. She looked away like she was obviously nervous. And then again, she did it. And this time I gave her like a little wink and a smile, like, gotcha. Um, and just a quick note on eye contact stuff. It's best to not, like when you're making eye contact with people, like, sorry, making eye contact with girls in, the, in a bar situation, it's best to kind of look at them from the side. 
kind of giving them like a side eye sly smile. Um, it's a little bit hard to describe. Maxwell, is there anything specific you do or Ben with like, you know, eye contact stuff that you can describe on the call? I know it's hard to describe it. Um, I, mean, I just over, I, overextend my stare. I was going to say I do slightly more exaggerated stuff sometimes in a club and in the bars you probably want to go the more subtle route, but in a club I'll even like, you know, like wait, like point at her, you know, like I call it her, you know, make it more obvious, make, you know, make some, um, some sort of like, you know, an O face, like I caught her, you know, checking me out, but in a bar that's probably over the top. Yeah. Yeah. You can get away with it depending on the times, but yeah, you want to, want to do some, you want to do something to establish the fact that you guys had this brief eye contact connection. And my, I think my, that, and I, think I don't, that you I don't caught have her do... too. You caught her in like a playful way, not like a, you're being a dick way, but you know, playfully like, gotcha, checking me out, you know? So like, you know, she knows, you know, right. What were you saying? Maxwell too? I was saying, I just, I don't have, because of my height difference, like I can see everyone, which is a big difference. So like all I'm ever doing is just kind of extending my stare a little bit longer to establish that I'm looking at her, you know, to the point right. to the point of awkwardness, and then turn away, and then I follow up, you know, at a later point, establishing that or or you know, open up that chick, you know, thirty seconds later. Cool. And for the guys in the call that, if you are uncomfortable with eye contact, like when you're making eye contact with, when you're looking at a girl and she looks at you and you feel the need to avert your gaze and dart your eyes away, that's a huge turnoff to girls. They'll immediately like see you as a pussy. So get comfortable making eye contact, holding eye contact with people. Makes a big difference. So what happened, like I said, is each time, you know, eventually I, I gave her that little sly smirk, uh, like a sort of like a wink. And she she turned bright red and totally blushed. And um, at that point, I walked right over to her, and she was with a, a girlfriend and another guy. And I had no idea. Like, I had only saw them for literally a minute, right? So I walked right up next to her, kind of sidled up to her side. Her friend was engaged with the guy. And I got, like, pretty close to her, kind of in her personal space, but side by side. And I just said, hey, I'm Robbie. Strong eye contact, extended my hand, and while shaking her hand and while she was telling me her name, which is Mary Elaine, um, I, I didn't let her hand go. I just kind of like continued shaking it. And after about, you know, 10 seconds, which is a long time to be shaking someone's hand, I, I kind of said to her, I'm like, so do you know how I know that you have a, a crush on me? And she goes, why? And I said, well, you're still holding my hand. And she laughed and got embarrassed and tried to pull it away. But I was like, no, come on. We're, we're playfully, you know, we're, we're boyfriend, girlfriend now. Do you want to be my girlfriend? Can we be exclusive? And I kind of went into like some of those silly lines that I talk about in the, in the Tinder guide, um, that whole kind of like boyfriend, girlfriend, married couple role play. And you know, I think I followed up with like, wait, before, before we're exclusive, you can cook, right? Cause you know, I, I need to date someone who can cook and I'm not just talking about the microwave here. And we got into one of these bantery, silly, fun conversations. Um, and it's really important that you have fun and you're playful and you're flirty rather than going straight off the bat with, so where are you from or what do you do or bullshit like that. Biographical questions at that point in the conversation are way too soon, way too much, way too soon. 
So after about 30 seconds of banter or so, um, I asked the group, like I turned to her friends and her, and I'm like, so how did you guys all come to be? Which is a line that's basically just a creative way of saying, how do you guys all know each other? It's just colorful language, makes you stand out, makes you more interesting. And um, she told me that the girlfriend was her friend of many years that she was, you know, here just hanging out with. And the guy was just a dude that was hitting on her friend that had walked over maybe like five minutes ago. And this guy had terrible body language. He was really feminine and gay looking. And I could tell that he had no shot whatsoever with her friend. Um, but I was cool with him. I wasn't like trying to get rid of him or anything like that, even though they were totally averting their attention to me. And that guy quickly left, you know, within like a minute or two when he saw he had no shot. And at that point, one of my clients came over to play wingman for the other girl, which was great. And the other client who was there was also very well coached. So he, he didn't come and create a fifth wheel situation. He went and he started talking to other girls, which was, which was perfect. Um, I think we had a round of shots at that bar. And after about 10 minutes, I suggested we go to another venue. And since we were new to the area, I asked my girl, I'm like, all right, you're going to be our tour guide. Show us another good spot. And they took us to like a loungy wine bar, which was about a five minute walk away. And as we were leaving, I was holding her hand. I held her hand like the entire way to the next venue. And she was kind of like snuggling up to me, leaning into me, interlacing fingers. And I knew it was just totally game on. Uh, so the five of us, you know, I grabbed um, the other guy who was with us and the five of us went to this other place. When we got there, I bought us a round of drinks. Um, and I noticed that my client was getting a little bit of love from his girl. The other guy went to talk to other people again. And I kind of announced to my girl that I was going to find it. I announced the group. I was like, Hey, me and Mary Lane are going to grab a place to sit. Um, can you guys like bring the drinks over when they come? Um, which is something you can do if you want to like isolate, you can, you can have your buddy get a drink and have him like ask the other girl to, to help him with it, which is a kind of a nifty way to, to get the girls solo. So I found a booth. We sat down. She was all over me right away. We we're making out like crazy, but I didn't want to like make out too hardcore and put her on the spot. And like I said, I knew she was ready to be kissed. She was holding my hand, giving me tons of eye contact, laughing at all my jokes acting as if she was already my girlfriend. So we were bullshitting. We got into some rapport at that point. We were kind of just sitting there at the table. My friend, my client and his girl never came over, you know, her friend. They were just kind of sitting at the bar. And she started asking me personal questions. And it's really important that you let the girl ask you questions first. If she seeks rapport, if she gets, you know, if she's the one who initially starts asking things about you, it means she's interested. And that's what happened here. Um, went back and forth. I told her some stories. I did some mentor game. Um, I'm not going to get into too much conversation stuff here. That's what the conversation workshop's for. And we teach all of these skills. It's really important that you guys know how to, you know, be dynamic, create an emotional roller coaster in your conversations so they don't become boring and stale. But, um, you know, that went on for about 30 minutes. And... We went back over to the bar to check on my friend and her friend. He, at that point, he had kind of like blown himself out. He wasn't getting any love. So I told him to go find the other guy. And I told him I was going to you know, try to take my girl out of there. So I kind of whispered to Mary Lane. I was like, hey, I want 
I want more tour guide duty and uh, I want to go just you and I. And she was totally into that. She was, well, hold on. Let's, let's walk my friend to the bus station. Cause she lives like 45 minutes out of the city. And um, so we left the bar, the three of us walked about 10 minutes away to the bus station, sent her friend on her way. And it was actually perfect that uh, she was kind of saying goodbye to her friend. Cause I, I like an idiot. I forgot to bring condoms out. So I needed to sneak into like a little kiosk and grab some. And um, funny story a little later, I'll, I'll get to that. But um, so she said goodbye to her friend. I ducked into the store. We got like a couple kebabs, ate the kebabs. And then I said, all right, next stop. Threw in her cab. I gave the cabbie the address, the Green Park Marriott, which I was staying at. And, um, she was like, where are we going? Well, we're going to, to your hotel. I said, don't worry. I'm taking you to my hotel. I'd be like 86% gentlemen. We're going to smoke hookah. I have a hookah back at my hotel. She's like, Oh, I love hookah. And it's important to use a proxy like hookah or something else to make her not feel responsible for sex. If I just say, we're going back to my hotel, she probably would have been like, no, I can't. I just met you. And it would have been this whole bullshit conversation about how she's not going to sleep with me. But if I say it's just hookah, then it's no big deal. Cause she's not going back to fuck. She was going back for hookah, which actually means sex. So we got back to the hotel, and on the ride back uh, from the hotel, we were just kind of making out in the cab and and joking, flirting around. Um, but one of my clients, we were sharing a room, and unfortunately, he was already asleep in the king bed. And it was pretty late at that time. It was almost 4 a.m. And I didn't have the, the nerve to kick him out because he had like a 7 a.m. flight. So... Luckily, there was a big bathroom. Um, I brought a bunch of linens and pillows into the bathroom, kind of created like a little <laughs> sit-down area, fired up the hookah, you know, had a couple puffs on the hookah, and then had sex with her in the bathroom. And then she went home because she couldn't stay, unfortunately, because of the bedding room situation. So let's go over the bar game flowchart real quick and just to give you guys an idea of everything that I went through. So... First off, when you get to the bar, take a quick lap, find the best place to post up. You want to have a good vantage point like I talk about. You want to be able to order drinks easily, make eye contact with women, have a drink with your friends, and if you get eye contact love, don't hesitate, approach right away. Um, a really funny line that Jad posted in the group the other day was, I noticed you were checking me out and I had to stop by and give you a chance to hit on me. <laughs> and then she laughed and he followed up with, whatever, I'll tell you what, I'll hit on you instead. Um, and, you know, if you get eye contact, that's super money. Um, if you don't get eye contact, walk over with any of the standard play-by-play opening lines that you guys have all heard me talk about or you guys can find on the site and go chat her up. Um, usually, she's going to be out with her friends. And, um, you know, after the opening line, keep the conversation playful. Don't ask for any type of rapport seeking biographical questions. This is a huge mistake you guys make. I can't emphasize this enough. Don't ask her biographical questions until she asks you. And a great way to kind of deal with that, or before I go into that, but, you know, first, when you, when you walk up to her, touch her early and easily on the arm or shoulder. Like stand side by side with her so you can naturally touch her, just like you would touch a friend, not sexual touching just yet. And if you can't find a way to not be logical and ask her these biographical questions, it means you're way too in your head, you haven't put enough time or practice in, and ways you can avoid that is you can tell stories, you can make observations about your surroundings, talk about annoying people in the venue, the lines, what they're drinking, 
just don't ask her personal questions until she asks you first. Um, make sure to introduce yourself to her friends, ask them all how they came to be, uh, ask them, you know, be normal, be cool. Don't, don't be the guy who's clearly focused on only getting laid and ignoring his surroundings. I'll see guys like walk in, hit on a girl and just completely ignore their friends, especially if there's guys in the group. If you walk up and hit on a girl and you don't acknowledge the dude that's with her, he is going to cock block you nine out of 10 times or 99 out of a hundred times. Guys really don't like that. So it's also important to introduce yourself to the group because you need to find out logistics. You need to find out if it's worth investing your time or you should, or if you should just get her number and leave. If she's a sober driver of four of her friends, they live 45 minutes away and you waste two hours, like one-on-one with her, like, great. You may get a date out of that. But odds are you could have gotten the date anyways after talking to her for 10 minutes and you could have gotten five other numbers in that time that you blew. And, you know, every night you're out is an investment of your time, your money, your resources. So make the most out of it. Um, if she's not in a situation where, or if she is in a situation where logistics are, are good and she's down to party, she's clearly drinking and having fun and her friends don't seem like cock blocks or mother hens and continue on. And at this point, you want to isolate her. And you do that by either inviting the whole group over to the bar where you can use your friends. You can kind of merge the groups together. And that'll get you some one-on-one time. Or you could tell the group to be like, hey, I'm kidnapping your friend to the bar for a drink. Don't worry. I'll deliver the package safely within five minutes. And uh, it's a great way to test for attraction there. If she's not willing to isolate with you, either she's not into you or she's not a candidate to go home that night. So perfect example, don't waste more time, but don't sit there talking to her for 15 minutes before you try to isolate her. Like try to isolate her as soon as she starts asking you rapport type of questions. And if she doesn't ask you any rapport seeking biographical questions within the first five or 10 minutes, she's probably not into you. And there's no way you can, I mean, sometimes you can banter and be playful for a long enough time where that doesn't come up, but eventually it will. And if she doesn't ask you first, just tell her like, Hey, I'm going to go grab a drink. I'll come check you out later. And um, or I'll come check back in with you later. And at that point, she's you can use that to build attraction. Walking away, leaving on a high note, she's going to think, oh, that guy was kind of fun, like super playful. Why did he leave? And she's going to start thinking about you. She might reopen you later. Or if you come back later, odds are she's going to be more into you. And you can kind of restart from there. And if she's not willing to leave her friends, like I said, don't be the pushy guy. You're going to blow yourself out for later on. If you can isolate her, Take her to a couple different spots within the venue. Um, you know, if you're at a place like Bungalow, you can take her to the bar. You can take her to the makeout spot. Touch her as if she were already your girlfriend. Like the second I isolate her, I'll, I'll reach back and I'll, I'll give her my hand and see if she holds on to it. And if she does, she's into it. Um, I'll take her around. And at, a lot of times, I'll be able to just take her to a different bar. Or I'll be like, show me a good bar in the area. I got to take you to this place right next door. Don't worry, I'll bring you right back to your friend she's willing to leave, then she doesn't really care about her friends. Just don't make her responsible for sex. And I really want to emphasize the point of not being too pushy. So Mary Elaine in my story earlier, she was giving me the green light at all points. Like, but I would say only one out of about five girls who you hit on who are into you, like not one out of five, I'm talking about one out of five that you hit on that are into you are ideal candidates for same night sex. So just assume that, you know, out of the five approaches where a girl's giving you love and seems interested, only one will be worth investing your entire night with. You know, it's, it's really awesome to have 
you know, quality five to 10 minute interactions, get solid phone numbers and follow up via text to set up a date. And if you guys haven't read the texting and first date eBooks, grab those interconfidence.com slash eBooks guys really need to be privy to that information. And don't be the pushy guy who tries to make out and try to pull every girl you meet. You'll get a bad reputation. Girls will remember. And I don't care how big the city is. Hot girls usually know a lot of other hot girls in the same city. And these networks are smaller than you think. You can ask Ben about this. He'll confirm. So don't do anything that will make you look like a total ass. So be flirty, be fun, be bold, have fun while you're out. And it's also great to put girls in a friend zone, befriend hot girls and use them as leverage while going out later down the road. So uh, Ben, it's the perfect you know, time for Ben to chime in because he's going to talk about how exactly you can do that and the huge value in doing that, especially where you're out at the club. And he's going to talk about club game, partying with girls in your social circle, um, after parties, a lot of good shit. So Ben, take it away. Thank you, Robbie. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that the value of having hot girlfriends is, is very underappreciated by most guys, especially guys, you know, trying to get better with girls and, you know, maybe don't hook up with many girls they would like. And there's such immense value in having girlfriends and especially good looking girlfriends because it validates you to everyone else, wherever you go, both guys and girls. So if you have good looking girls with you, you will catch girls looking at you way more often than if you don't. So like when you're, when you're at the bar, what Robbie was describing earlier, it can work the same way. If you have girls and especially good looking girls with you, um, it will automatically, you know, cause other girls to look your way. And then so you can catch them, you know, trying to make eye contact with you and stuff like that. So I'm going to shift from that and we'll, you know, get back into why it's important to have girls around, but I have a decent amount here on club games. So I want to make sure I I get through most of it. And then we can talk more about girlfriends and and building those relationships. But I think the big thing with building your sort of girlfriend network is, um, you know, obviously being like a nice, cool guy and, and not, um, as I think Robbie was just trying to describe alienating yourself in some way by trying, you know, to go too hard on some girl that you look like a creep or a loser or pathetic or anything like that. You want to make sure you stay neutral enough um, that, you know, they're not going to sort of blacklist you. So that's really important. And then I think the other big thing that I always do and have done, and it's how I built up my network. I always found out about fun stuff going on. So girls, you know, saw value in that and, you know, respected me and, you know, wanted to hang out because I was always looking for the fun spot to go, which is valuable for them because I can, you know, pass that information on and, and, you know, they're better for it. So I think those are two pieces and and I can get, you know, more into that again later. Moving on into club game, I broke it down, you know, sort of into when you walk up to the club all the way through, you know, trying to bring a girl back and, and even at the after party. So, so hopefully we get all the way through that. Um, and, you know, I will, I will say that a lot of this stuff, I don't think is totally exclusive to just, you know, big nightclubs in major markets. I think some of it is for sure. Um, I think that, you know, buying bottles is um, uh, it's probably harder to get away with not buying bottles in major markets at the top clubs than it is at other places like uh, Robbie mentioned before. But I'll say that I kind of got into this when I was a, uh, right before I graduated college, it was the summer before and I had no money. And I basically got into this by making friends with girls 
and befriending promoters by adding value to them by bringing them girls. So I would have two, three girls with me always. Promoters would love me because I make their job easier. They give me free drinks. It was kind of a, a hack and a workaround from having to buy bottles myself. So, you know, if, if it's something you're able to do in terms of building that girlfriend network, it's, it is a workaround to bottles. The alternative to bottles is bring value to promoters so that they take care of you for free. Um, but, but and there, and it, it's different, it's different in, either, in different markets too. So like in the Boston market, you know, you, there is no comp bottles or, and promoters rarely give free drinks. Um, so in terms of like, you know, maximizing that scenario, that the same respect of a bottle in Boston at some of these venues, it's like 300 bucks, you know, up to like 500 bucks. So it's a little bit more manageable. And I actually would like urge you guys in other markets outside of these major ones to like get a three guys together and split a 300 to $500 bottle. Like that's reasonable given the amount of drinks you're going to have and, and the kind of leverage it's going to give you in that space is just so much more because you're in a small market and not everyone is getting bottles. Totally. And, and I'm going to get into this more later, but I will say, I'll just, you know, say now and I'll harp on it again later, having a table, access to a table, having that real estate, whether it's your table, the promoter who loves you because you brought girls or, you know, one that you paid your own way for is so important in the club. If you're just one of the guys in the middle, it's so hard to operate. You know, it's, it's really hard to stand out, you know, having your own real estate, a place that you can bring girls back to, that you can get them drinks super easily. You have control of the environment. It just creates this power dynamic that in a club, I hate going to clubs and I don't either have full access to a table where somebody, you know, genuinely likes me and wants me to be there um, or, you know, have bought my, you know, and have my own table through, through buying bottles. In terms of, of going wrong in that um, world, I actually experienced this at Warwick, and I hope this is one of your clients, um, but there was like three or four guys at a table at Warwick, and they established and got a bottle, but did nothing with it. And I hope you can talk about, you know, in terms of once you do have a bottle, the way you act, because these dudes literally did nothing, and the girls we were with, like, eventually started getting closer and closer because they were next to our table, so we had an overflow table. Me and my buddy Nevin and then a couple of girls ended up just drinking out of this guy's bottle. And he was like cool with it because we were giving attention, but like he got nothing out of it. He made no attempt to try to talk to the girls. It was cool that girls were near him, but like if you're going to have the bottle, I'd love Ben you to talk about like how you, you utilize that to your benefit because if you're going to drop the money, you should be getting asked for it. And this fucking fat Jewish kid lost at Warwick like so hard and we offered to pay for his bottle. He's like, no, no, but like the reality was he just dropped money for no reason. Um, I think the, the quick and dirty on that one is the bottle is your tool, right? So any girl, you're, you're pulling girls over to get them drinks. Any girl that's in your space, you know, you're being nice, friendly, playful, fun, and offering them a drink. You know, and it's not, it's not, it's different from like buying a girl, at least I feel buying a girl a drink at the bar immediately because you have the bottle, it's sitting on your table, you know, sort of brings them into your space. And I don't know, Rob, you can connect, you know, you can chime in here too, but I think it's different than a bar. You want to offer a drink immediately. You know, they, they know. Yeah, that totally. Happens. You bring a girl to your table and you don't offer them a drink. It's like super rude. But if you meet a girl at a bar and you don't offer a drink, that's, that's normal. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, it's just like social protocol calls for, if you invite a girl to a table, pour her a drink. Yeah, like you have a full bottle of absolute. Like you're not drinking it yourself, you know. So, so share the love. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so so that, that's, that's a little bit on that. Now, now going through um, this kind of flow that I, I came up with uh, earlier today, I mean, I haven't done this yet. I'm thinking about doing like an ebook on club games. So you, know, you guys can tell me what you think and, and uh, you know, I may sort of develop it further. But the first one, and, and actually one of the ones that I struggle the most with, is uh, Door Guy Game. And I still struggle a little bit with it. It's funny, Jesse makes fun of me because he's actually a little bit better at it than me. Uh, I come in a little too like, you know, you should be letting me in. And, and that's really not the way to come at these guys. You know, their job is to, you know, filter out, you know, who's coming in and who's not. So they take it seriously. Sometimes they get in a little bit of a power trip. And if they don't know you and sense at all that you think you should be there, um, whether or not, you know, they approve, then that's like a big turnoff for them. And, and, they're, and they're just going to sort of dig their heels in and not want you to come in. I experienced this a little bit in Paris um, a couple of times and we didn't have as many girls as normal. And the door guy didn't know me that well because, you know, I was trying to walk in like I own the place. But, you know, unless you have a really strong relationship with the door guy, you got to come in, you know, not, not like it's kind of a mix between not being overly arrogant and not being, you know, and not looking like quote unquote, like a loser, someone who shouldn't be inside. It's a nice middle ground of like friendly, open, you know, ideally you have girls with you, you know, not being too aggressive about getting their attention, you know, cause obviously they're busy. You want to respect that and show that you respect that. But when you see the opportunity trying to get their attention, I think a big one, um, is knowing the door guy's name definitely helps a lot. They know a ton of people, even if you find out their name from someone else and they don't really know you, you can say it and they'll think that they met you at least once before. Um, and you can use that, you know, that to your advantage at a time when it's appropriate. You're not like yelling out their name, like you own the place. As I said, you're waiting for an opportunity. They're close to you, you know, Hey Eddie, Hey Luke, Hey, whoever it is. Um, and you know, asking them about, um, you know, if it's just me and two girls or, you know, me and a girl, me, my buddy, and two girls, whatever it is, and and they'll either I mean, you could say you're joining a table or whatever you want to say, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bluff and say you're joining a table and you're a promoter or something like that unless you do because they're going to ask for a name and you kind of need to know that or then they're going to block you for bullshitting. So you just want to be straight up, you know. Either way, if you're nice and coming correct, they're going to give you a better deal on tables, a better deal on bottles, a better deal all around. Um, and going back to the knowing the door guy's name. In New York or LA, I pretty I think I know every single door guy personally, and I you know obviously know at least all their names. So if any of you guys are trying to go to a club and you know seeing if you can get a little better of a deal or get in um, uh, without spending too much on bottles, you can let me know. I'm, I'm happy to you know give you the names of these guys. Um, unless you're coming super correct, I'm not going to do like a personal intro, or unless you want to spend a lot of money, but I will give you the guy's name uh, you know to see what you can do with that. Um, so that's a little bit about the door. I mentioned it a little bit, you know, always try at least have an even ratio, trying to bring, bring anything more than one other guy with you unless you're spending is, is kind of suicide. You're just going to sit outside. It's not going to happen. Dream another dream. Um, and, and quality over quantity when it comes to girls is always, you know, the, the rule to go by in clubs. You know, it's way better to walk up with one, you know, eight to 10 or even seven to 10 than, you know, three, five to sixes. Um, and, and height is definitely a factor too in a lot of clubs, you know, tall girls reign supreme. It's another reason, even if you're not attracted to them or, you know, it's not your thing, even if you're short, whatever it may be, make friends with these girls, you know, make friends with these girls with social proof that will help you, um, you know, meet other girls and, 
you know, make it easier to go places, make make people attracted to you. It's very, very important to have, you know, girlfriends of this nature. I think I covered most of the door. Let me see. Um, anyone have any questions on that real quick before I keep going? Okay. All right. So, so let's say you got by the door, you know, you're, you're either getting, you're adding a bottle to a table or, you know, they just let you in, whatever it may be. Um, when it comes to the entrance, as any, any venue, you want to come in with very strong posture, big smile, the more people, you know, the better. And that, you know, will take time. You can sort of fake the funk in the beginning. Um, but you want it, you know, when you're going to these venues, you want to constantly be meeting more people. As Robbie said, the bartenders, the door guy, even the security, you know, I mean, don't, don't make anyone below your level. Cause the more people, you know, in the venue, the easier it is to operate your buddies with the security guy you know, that was working by the bathroom. Now he's working the VIP section. He's not going to give you a problem going into VIP because he remembers you and you gave him the time of day. So remember that, um, you know, in the club to just make friends with as many people as you can. And you can take the funk, you know, you can wave, point, do a little bit of a bullshit, you know, pretending like you know more people than you do, um, but don't overdo it, obviously. And obviously, you know, genuinely knowing people reign supreme. And and as you start and, and keep going to these venues, you can meet more and more people. Um, obviously fashion is important in any sense. It, quick thing on club fashion, the, the biggest thing that people do that I think hurts, you know, hurts guys in the club is overdressing and dressing too professional. Like you just came out of work. Do not wear a suit to the club. It makes you look like a mark. The door guy wants you to buy a bottle. The girl thinks you're a loser. Just do not wear a suit to the club under any circumstances. You know, you don't want to go overly casual either. You know, you, like any situation, you want clothes that fit. You don't want a big baggy T-shirt and, you know, a flat brim, brim hat. Unless you know everyone at the club and they're going to let you in anyway, then it might actually work in your benefit to do that. And a lot of promoters do that kind of bullshit. But if you're not at that level, you know, sort of sit the part, dress cool, casual, trendy, slightly fashion forward, um, you know, and, and I'm happy if anyone wants to, you know, shoot a picture of the group before they go into the club. I'm, you know, I'm happy to critique that stuff as, as well. Um, let's see. Don't be a banker, bro. Yes. Do not be a banker, bro. <laughs> Ties are a no-no. Suits are a no-no. I would honestly even say, unless it's cool and different, I think button-ups with the rolled-up sleeves is so fucking old. You know, like, go... Yeah, I agree. yeah it depends, depends on the market. In LA and New York are yeah. fucking lots of button-ups. Uh, in Boston, it's it's like still kind of the status quo. The- the thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I'm sure it depends on the market in New York and LA that shit was cool. Like a decade ago, maybe. So, I mean, you know, in those, in those cities, I would try and do something a little yeah. different, whether it's, you know, cardigan with a t-shirt. Um, you know, I like that one a lot. I like uh, a lot of variations of sweaters right now, you, you know, ones with hoods, stuff like that, you know, scarves are really in, um, you know, the beanies, I mean, depending on where you are, I mean, that's more New York. Um, but LA, even you see a lot of the beanies going on, even though it's not that cold. Okay, so that's entrance. Uh, moving on to table game. So this was a little bit, I think, what, what Robbie was getting at, kind of leveraging the table, what to do in the club. Uh, and it's funny, it's actually the polar opposite of what Robbie was saying in terms of conversation reigns supreme. In the club, conversation doesn't fucking matter. It actually only hurts you. When you try and have a serious conversation with a girl, um, or even sometimes like a playful conversation that's that involves too much too much words, you know, the role play is sort of 
too deep that you need to hear everything, you're just going to end up hurting yourself because the girl, you know, you want to be hurt by the girl. You look needy by trying to make sure she hears you. It's hard for her to hear you. It's just a painful interaction. So by far, the, the better way to go is to do nonverbal, body language, playful. You know, I definitely do a ton of the trying to catch girls staring at you in the club. Um, that's definitely one that you should, you know, you should do. And, and the sort of better tables you're at and, you know, as you build up a network there, the more that stuff will happen just on its own. Do you want to give some examples of that? Like the one that I always go to, I'm, I'm like the prolific ice thrower. And it- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I actually put that in a slightly more advanced category. So, I mean, the one okay. thing I think you can start, start with that, you know, because throwing ice, I mean, you really got to know people if you're going to start throwing ice at girls. You know what I mean? Because if you don't, then someone's going to take it the wrong way, and, and you can quickly find my, yourself outside the my, my two, Yeah, my two favorites are a little aggressive, which I don't recommend. <laughs> my two favorites oh, are and, ice and, my, and what yeah. pants. What? And what? And, and what? And yelling, calling out girls for wearing white pants. Any girl who comes by. White pants. pants. White pants. And <laughs> just pointing at them and yelling white pants in their face. As much as possible, they're just yeah. who the fuck is this guy? But anyways, and and, and, the one, and you know the one thing I would say because the club scene is so small, you can totally get away with that stuff. You just need to know some people. Like don't don't have that be the first thing. I would even say it's better in the club game to to try and add value to the promoters that organize any of these people and kind of fly under the radar until people know you a little better. You know, wait, wait for the riskier stuff until you're already sort of validated and have some social proof that people aren't going to be like, Oh, this guy does not belong. You know, that, that, that's 100%. really what you want to avoid. That's really what you want to avoid in the club scene. Cause it's so tight. It's so tight knit. I mean, you guys have seen some of it in New York and it exists in LA too. Everyone knows everyone, you know, it's this fucking, you know, family of partying seven nights a week. It's, it's bizarre, but it does exist. Um, so yeah, I would say on the more, uh, you know, Earlier stages, things you can try to be playful, making faces, you know, mm-hmm. kind of r- rolling your eyes, you know. I mean, I, I think Maxwell, I mean, from what I've seen in pictures and what I've heard, is probably really good at this stuff. Um, you know, kind of being a, a bit of a human emoji, just because it plays with girls' energy levels, you know, it kind of gets them excited and, you know, giggly and whatever, and it doesn't require, you know, any conversation. Um, Maxwell, I don't know if you have any specific tips on that, but I've certainly seen it in pictures and heard about it. From you. Yeah, like I, I'm just very like animated, and that like attracts people. And I look like I'm having a good time always. And um, I walk through the club with a level of confidence. And though I'm six five, like regardless the way you present yourself, like and and it also has to do with the way I dress. Like I in any club in the U.S., they shouldn't let me in based on where I, what I wear. In the clubs in Boston, like, I was the only one who could dress like that because I was a promoter. In L.A., I'm going, I'm only getting into this, whether it's, you know, the rare occasion of ambiance, but typically because one of my music friends have a table and no one's going to say shit to my, like, bright yellow sneakers or whatever. Um, and so I play into that character. And I, I don't think that that necessarily translates to everyone, but what does translate is differentiating yourself and so when he talked about clothing and when he talked about like the way you, you know, exude confidence, like every dude in there is a fucking like squid. Like they're all like, especially like Warwick last week and like all of you, they're just like huddling out. If you're on a table, you're just like squirming around the bar and like trying to like, it, it just doesn't work. And, and the way you like differentiate yourself is your body language, the confidence you exude and also how you differentiate your, your clothing. And that's not going eccentric. It's just like, what is going to separate you from 
every other average dude wearing the same shit. And, you know, Max Osman does it really well where he wears some like very like conservative, like dope business, you know, button downs or a blazer when he's going out with some jeans. But he has like a, a real cool like style to it and has like a spin to it that no one else does. And people pick up on that, particularly girls. Um, but in terms of like, you know, differentiating yourself, I'm just, I'm showing that I'm having a good time and I'm, I'm that confident. And I think that anyone can, can really replicate that, um, whether that's the bar or the club, in terms of just showing you're having a good time, whether you are or not. And every time I'm like bored, it's just a matter of like, you know, showing off. Totally. Like looking like you're having a good time makes other people attracted to you. And, and, and that's when you get way more of the catching girls staring at you and stuff like that. If you're looking like you're having the best time at the party and making your own party, people will automatically want to be attracted to you and will be super open to you introducing yourself to them um, because, you know, you're bringing them into your world. So I, I do think that's really important. Um, I think that's segment hey, I have a, a question. Little... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's say you're not having a good time. What are some hacks to make you look like you are? It's your body language, man. It's like, it's like when they say that I'm a human emoji, like my facial expressions appear, like I'm over exaggerating, like my, my laugh or I'm, I'm, you know, kind of making it appear as if I'm like super stoked. But I mean, part of that is, is, you know, my pregame, like I don't show up to Warwick sober. Like we have like two hour pre-drinks beforehand. We're like, you know, everyone is like, you know, vibing to music and, and drinking. So like the chances of me showing up and not in a good mood, like why the fuck are you going out and not in a good mood? Like that seems like a recipe for, you know, disaster. The the goal is to go out and celebrate a good mood. Um, and if you can't, and if you're not quite there or something's like off, that's going to that's gonna be a mental thing for you. But part of it is acting and, and that acting ability, that ability to, you know, communicate through your body language and expressions. That is applicable to girls. It's applicable, applicable to your social life. It's applicable to business. That's something that you, you need to figure out on your own. Um, but like very simply answered, you know, I'm, I'm smiling. I'm, I'm laughing harder than, than normal, et cetera. I mean, I know you guys are looking for, you know, kind of specific things. Um, I was saying, you know, making faces, um, you know, obviously catching some of the stuff that Robbie was saying works in the club too, catching girls, you know, staring at you, winking, smiling, any of that stuff is more subtle. You know, one, one funny one that I do that's super childish is like if I built, you know, if I met a decent amount of people at the table, if it's not my table, and if it's your table, hopefully you brought people to the table so you kind of know everyone. You can do like the tapping on the shoulder thing to girls, like tap their opposite shoulder and they turn and they like, they're kind of weirded out and you do it again. And then they finally notice or whatever, and you guys kind of have this inside joke together. That's that's a pretty low risk one that I've used a decent amount. Um, let's see, uh, more advanced stuff would definitely be, you know, throwing ice, ice down girls' shirts. Um, even you know, messing with girls' hair doesn't sound that advanced, but they can be pretty touchy about it. But if done correctly, it, it can be really effective and kind of get them in a fun, playful mood. Um, I don't know, Robbie, Max, do you have any other ones that? That you think would be good, example-wise? Yeah, be careful with the hair one, but for sure, that's, like, a real advanced one. Um, yeah. Depending on the girl, they might be, like, it, it could totally blow you out if she's, it like... It could totally backfire, yeah. I mean, I would definitely try the yeah. other stuff first. But throw, throwing ice is actually probably less advanced than messing with a girl's hair. <laughs> for sure. As that is. <laughs> which which um, seems counterintuitive, but uh, girls are, are pretty 
put a lot of time and effort into getting ready. And, and if, uh, unless you're at a certain level and kind of, you know, know enough people that, that you have that social proof, uh, she may get pretty pissed off about the hair. So that's a good point. <laughs> so one thing that, um, that's almost always happening at a table, um, also at some of these more hybrid bars, anywhere where there's dancing, girls are going to be dancing. They're going to be shaking their ass. They're going to be partying and don't be like the usual other Johnny Greaseball and try to like freak with them. <laughs> just look like a total idiot. Do not freak girls at the table. What I'll do is I'll back my ass into them in a really playful way. I'll, like, oh, that's so good. Of I can shake my ass or like, you know, back into them and they'll always like grab me around my waist and like basically freak me from behind. And then if I'm getting a ton of love, I might turn around to dance with them a little bit and then I'll like run away and do it to another girl. And that's, that's like my favorite thing to do. That's a super good one that I forgot. Well, I, I, before I even met Robbie, it's so funny you do that too. I've, I've been doing that shit for fucking years, like butt bumping girls, you know, doing that thing where you're, you're kind of grinding on them. Um, even like, you know, I'll go so far as like, you know, lap dances when they're sitting down, like if a girl's sitting down looking like she's not having a good time, sometimes I'll go over and just give her like kind of a half-assed lap dance just to get her in, <laughs> in a better mood. Um, so it's the totally. definitely, you know, funny things that you can do. Um, it, it's um, really all about, in the club, it's all about energy levels. If you can, if you can bring a girl up and happy and having fun, I mean, that's why she's at the club. That's why she wants to be there. So she can have fun. So if you're helping her get to that place, then, you know, she's going to appreciate you either as a friend, to fuck later, you know, to fuck in a week, whatever it is. But even as a friend is super important. If you're, if you're viewed as a fun guy, she's going to want to go out with you again. And then it makes your life that much easier when you're trying to get into the next club or, you know, not buy bottles and hang at a promoter table because now you have girls. So, so really try to think about the girls and helping them have a good time. Um, yeah. Let's see. I think another big one is um, I said before trying to, you know, get to know as many people as you can. Whenever I go to a new, let's say a new table and I, let's say I know the promoter, it's a club that I'm not working at, but I'm going to hang out and I know the promoter pretty well. We're boys. I make a pretty big scene of like saying what's up to him. And usually it's well reciprocated because, you know, guys in the club scene are used to doing this. So make kind of a big deal of your entrance and that, like, the, the head of the table knows you and validates you. If you make a thing of that, everyone immediately is thinking, oh, who's this guy? He's super cool with, you know, X who has social value. So do that. And then don't do it right away. But throughout the course of the evening, try and make a point to introduce yourself to everyone at the table and meet everyone at the table. Because it just it expands your social. Yeah. Yeah, and don't and yeah, I saw I saw one of my friends do this, and um, it's actually one of the mods. And I know he's really drunk, but I was at a table with Julian Edelman, like one of my friends in the Patriots, and one of the mods in this group fucking walked up and hadn't met him, and just went down and reached for the alcohol. And I grabbed his arm. I was like, "Yo, let me introduce you to Julian, who paid for this fucking table." Like if someone if it's someone's table and you don't make a point to introduce them, like you have no business touching their alcohol until they say they do. Like a lot of times, if you're an ad value and you bring fucking chicks to the club and you should, like, and there's three more chicks with me than there are, you know, guys. Awesome, you just brought it to the table. You're an ad value, but that doesn't mean you can drink until head of the table like says you can. Totally, and I think that's a really good point. I even do this with the zillions of people I know in nightlife, even if I'm going to another promoter table and I know that promoter, um, you know, has the drinks for free, unless they're like my best friend, I always ask. For me, for girls, especially for other guys, 
I'm always like, yo, is it cool if I pour some champagne? Or is it cool if I pour some of this? And, and sometimes we'll even get, you know, go over the top and be like, oh, it's totally cool, your table, my table, whatever. But I think that at the end of the day, they still do appreciate that you're not just taking. So, so I, I definitely would take that one to heart. I think it's really smart. Um, so going back to introducing yourself to everyone at the table and expanding your, you know, social circle in the scene, I think another big one is starting to introduce people. And that's slightly more advanced, but it's really not that more advanced. You can totally fake the funk, you know, meet a few people, and then as new people come along, introduce the people that you just met to the new people. Um, and, and I do that kind of shit all the time, and it kind of puts you at this connector level, which is, which is higher social value, and you really don't need to know that many people to start doing that. And the more you do that, the more it starts building on itself. What you want to help create is so everyone at the table knows each other because that makes the table more fun. And if you're helping connect to that and make that happen, then, you know, you're going to have so much more power in the, in the social dynamic. Um, so I think that that's, that's definitely really important. Yeah, I just want to reiterate real quick what, what Ben said. If, if you can introduce girls to sorry, girls and guys, if you're an introducer, that makes you look so much more attractive in their eyes. Like just from that alone, you're going to get a ton of love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think something else too, I mean, the table you're at, the crew you're with, how much fun they're having, how hot the girls are, you know, how good of a table it is, all that stuff uh, will add up to how much other people are taking notice of you in the club, how much girls are noticing you, you know, how easy it is to, to catch eye contact. All of those things add up to making it easier to meet new girls. Um, okay, so moving on to getting numbers. So you're introducing yourself to people, having fun, you know, creating the party at the table. Obviously, you want to get numbers, and you want to get as many fucking numbers as possible, as always. And the good thing about a club and, and sort of, you know, trying to make girlfriends as well as girls you're trying to go out with, you can get a lot of numbers in a club. Um, you can get, certainly get a lot of numbers in a bar, but you can get every girl's number at the table you're at when you're at a club. And it's, it's really not, it's not weird to do that. You know, you still have to tread carefully with promoters sometimes if you're at one of their tables, cause they might be territorial of the girls, but if you, especially if it's your table and you brought girls over, you can get numbers of all the girls and most of them, you know, they won't even notice you're doing it because there's so much other shit going on at the club. Um, and, and, you know, and in so most, in most situations, <laughs> you know, like in major markets, like in LA, those chicks are so likely to give you the number because like, if you just got a table, like you're, they're, they're they now want to know how they can go out with you in the future. Like every chick in this in this town is like trying to go out and find those guys who are spending money. Yeah. Um. So so this is a move that I do, and and I don't know, um, Robbie and Matt, you, you you can tell me if if you think maybe it's it's more advanced, but I actually don't think it is, and I think it's pretty easy to do and to fake the funk with it. And that is in a club. I do not remember the last time I asked a girl to give me their number. What I do every single time after, you know, introduction, chat, you know, maybe like playful conversation, you know, obviously nonverbal stuff, you know, uh, sort of, you know, bantering verbally or nonverbally. After a little bit of that, I'll just hand them my phone with the number screen up and they know what to do. And, you know, if, if they're, oh, 100%. If they're down, and if they're yeah. down, they're yeah. down. And if they're not, then, you know, they'll, they might say like, no, shake their head. And then you can kind of make a joke out of it and be like, what, you don't know, you don't know what you're supposed to do here or, you know, however you want to sit down. But, but I almost never get turned down in that situation. And granted, I have social proof of other things going for me, but they know what to do. They're programmed 
to just put the number in the phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, do you guys agree with that? Totally, 100%. Love it. I mean, you can do yeah. that in, in pretty much anywhere. I've done that during day game. I've done it, you know, at a normal bar or dive bar, like, you know, typically during the day or, you know, if it's a more of a low energy environment, I'll use the whole like, yeah, give me your number. If you don't like me, give me a fake one. But this yeah. is just as good. This is just especially, good. especially in clubs. It's so easy yeah. in clubs because the music is fucking loud. It's hard to talk. It's it's almost like an excuse for you to do nothing except hand them hand them the phone. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's it's definitely a good way to go. Um, and the other thing that I think is super important, which I forget sometimes, because I have so much other stuff going on, text them right there. Because if you wait until the next day and they were at a club, they gave out their number to four to five other guys that night, and they're all texting them the next day. If you got the number right then and there, maybe five minutes later, whatever, text them something related to the playful interaction you had, ideally, that way they'll remember you, they'll connect to it, they'll laugh. And sometimes what I'll even do, let's say their phone's away or they're not looking at it, I'll make like a reference to the phone and point at the phone so they do look at it and they reconnect me with the text again. Or other times what I'll do is when I text them, I'll show them my phone and the text so they know that it's coming from me. And then hopefully it gets a little laugh when they look at my phone or something like that but it just makes it so much more likely that they're going to respond and remember who you are. And the big one is remembering who you are. You know, even if you, even if you get a girl's number in a club and she thought you were cool, fun, you know, wanted to hang out again, if she's drunk and at the club and met five other dudes, she has no idea which one you are when you text her the next day. So make that connection right away. Um, oh my God. And, and it's, it's, it's a not problem in the group. Like, what? Robbie, like how big of a problem is it, you know, in the group, if Jad's listening or if Joel's listening, I just feel like half the times you guys get numbers, it's literally like you don't, those girls do not know who you are. So like making totally. that callback, making, making the connection of like, yo, I was at the table with you at Warwick, like however, you know, you can do that. But girls don't remember that shit. They're getting like so many guys are asking their numbers throughout the night. Uh, yeah. And do this everywhere. You guys can do this at the bars. You can do it during day game too. Um, another funny thing I used to do, you can't do it in a club because it's too loud, but if, you know, you can call them right on the spot and have like a playful conversation, like, hello, oh, I think it's for you. And you can have a silly, like 10 to 15 second conversation. Then they have their number, but texting is even better because then they've immediately saved you. And when you text them the next day with callback humor, or you send them like a picture that maybe was like taken from the table, like it's, it, they, they love it. Yeah, for sure. And um, I was going to say, oh, yeah, so the, the calling thing, that probably works better in a bar where the music's a little bit lower. In a club, if you try and call, you're not going to be able to have that fun interaction. That, that's going to work better. Yeah, that way. Yeah, like, bar, unless yeah. you're, like, out in the smoking area or something, you know, somewhere where it's a little bit quieter. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll go into uh, briefly, because I know we're, we're kind of going along here, into uh, getting her back to your place and, and after partying. I think a, a very big one, which Jesse harps on all the time, I know, is logistics and making sure you're set up to succeed, um, you know, night of. And, and if, if there is an after party or even, you know, bringing one girl back, a few girls back. And people throw around the after party term so much. It doesn't have to be, you know, you can say it's an after party if it's you, a buddy, and two girls. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be anything crazy to be an after party. People throw around that, that term a ton. It's just an excuse to go back. Um, and it's way better than, you know, you want to go back and fuck, or even you want to go back to my place because both of those things make the girl feel like she's being a slut. If you say you want to go after party, 
you know, it's it just, it removes some of that, you know, from that. And you can use other excuses too. If you don't want to have other people over or whatever it is, it can be, you know, the view from my balcony's dope or, you know, hookah or, you know, oh, I have a pool table. You want to play a game? I'll show you how to play. Any excuse so they can sort of remove themselves of the decision to go to your place, I think is, is really important. And, and Robbie touched on that a little bit before. Now, when you get back to your place, your place or whatever else, whatever, whatever other after party spot you have set up, or if it's a hotel or you know, Airbnb, if you're staying somewhere else, you got to have a minimum, you have to have booze, ice, mixers, and, you know, some sort of glassware, you know, cups, whatever it may be, and music. At minimum, you got to have that. If you don't have that, it, it, it really is tough to sustain anything. And the girls are just going to be like, you know, these guys don't know what they're doing and probably take off pretty soon. Uh, but at minimum, you need the booze and, and the music. Uh, and, and when you get back and, and Robbie can go into some of this as well, cause I think he's really good in after party settings as well. Um, I think games are super important. It just kind of like lightens up the mood, especially if you just came from a club, there's so much stimulation at a club. If you go back to an after party and it's like five or six of you and you know, there's just not that much going on, it can get boring for the girls super quick. So playing games is an easy kind of contrived way to keep the energy going. Uh, Robbie, I don't know if you want to dive into some, some ice game real quick while we're on the topic. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, there, there's, like Ben said, this is exactly why you want to play games. Cause if you're just back there, like sitting and drinking, you know, it's getting late in the night, people might start getting tired. And if the energy gets too low, then it dies. But great games are like an amazing way to transition from a club into like, you're, it's more chill, but it's still fun. And it's leading sexual. Um, because, you know, if you're in an after-party situation, the whole point is hopefully to, you know, get one-on-one with a girl and hook up. So the ice game, which we've talked about a million times in the group, um, it, these are the new podcasts, so I'll get into it real quick. Basically, you set up uh, a seating situation where it goes guy, girl, guy, girl, guy, girl. Hopefully you have too many girls, and then, it, you you know, it's okay if it goes girl, 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 guy, girl, guy, girl, right? And um, you announce, all right, everyone, we're playing a game have everyone sit, like orchestrate where they're sitting, have a bottle of alcohol, you know, some shot glasses and a bucket of ice in the middle of the table. You say, all right, on the count of three, every guy is going to pick up a piece of ice or every second person is going to pick up a piece of ice and you're going to pass it to the person on your left without using your hand. Ready, set, go. And I'll orchestrate it and just totally lead it. And if everyone kind of does it together, like you just kind of, you know, motor through that first awkward moment of like, oh, wait, we're, we're passing ice with our mouths here. Is this, are we really doing this? But if everyone else is doing it, it'll just totally go with the flow. Um, yeah. And Ben and I have been in situations with the most like, you know, prudish girls who would like never, ever, ever play the ice game. But if everyone else does it, they just have to kind of follow along. And yeah. um, the ice cream is amazing because literally you're, you're kissing the girls and after about two minutes, you rotate spots. They so say, okay, every guy gets up and rotate a spot. So now you're in between, you know, the girl who is next to you and then a new girl. And you can really start to feel out which girls are into you. If they're really giving you love, they're going to be prolonging that passing of the ice, maybe some tongue action, whatever. And um, that will usually lead to a bunch of, you know, debauchery. If you want to start off crazy orgies or, you know, just figure out, isolate the girl and that game usually lasts you know 10 to 15 minutes tops before it kind of breaks and people start to pair up but the ice game is my favorite of all the after party games um 
you know, Ben, if you want to talk about like King's Cup or some other ones that you like to do. Yeah, I, I, I can throw in a couple other ones just because depending on how drunk everyone is, ice game, you know, make up for it or they may not. Um, yeah. And all, all you need is one mother hen who's like, we're not doing this. And then they kind of all, you know, have to agree so they don't look like sluts. Um, so, so there certainly is a time and place. Another way I like to introduce the ice game is like, oh, have you guys ever heard of the ice game? It's super dope. And hopefully you have another guy, you know, in the group who knows the ice game. So you guys talk it up and then you show them instead of, you know, Robbie's way is one way where you're just kind of like, we're doing this. Everyone sit, you know, you're kind of like the leader. And the other way is you kind of peak interest, like, oh, this is dope. And then, you know, it falls into the ice game. Um, yeah, good point. And I, I do that a lot too. I'll talk about, because I found the ice game while out, I was traveling through Europe with Jesse and Jesse was at home. Like he, he took the night off because he had been you know, partying too hard for the previous two weeks straight. And I went out solo and I was introduced to the ice game by a group of Germans. Like I was the 12th person involved. They had six girls and five guys and they pulled me in for the ice game. So I'll tell this funny story about how I was out with a buddy and we were just trying to go and scam on six and, so one night he stayed home alone. I ended up making out with six German girls. And uh, <laughs> so I'll tell that story and I'll be like, and now we're playing the ice game. Uh, <laughs> I, I think another big one too about the ice game, you can't be overly excited about playing and about like making out with chicks. It has to come off as like, oh, we do this shit, you know, all the time. It's like not a big deal. And if you look too over eager, then it just comes off really sleazy. You know, it's already kind of sleazy. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is sleazy at the end of the day. So you have to kind of mask the sleazy by, not being, by being nonchalant about it. Would, would, you, would you agree with that, Rob? <laughs> and the other good thing about the ice game, too, is, I mean, you, it's kind of like a last resort. Like, typically at an after party, you know, you have some people, like, outside smoking, some people in another room, like, kind of hooking up, and... People kind of find each other and, and kind of, they, they make it happen. Like girls understand, hot girls understand dynamics of after parties. And if they're coming back to the after party, it's either because they just want to you know, party more with their friends or they're gunning for a certain guy and they're down to hook up. The, the ice game is best used in a situation where, you know, the energy is kind of dying or everyone's together and you need something to kind of like break the pattern and turn it into a more dynamic experience. So you know, I'm I'm not playing the ice game every time. <laughs> I'm just kind of busting it out. There, there, a, there was a period there where it was happening almost every time you had an after party, but it's, it's yeah. been more sporadic lately. <laughs> For a while, um, like we need to play the ice game more, and we just did it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I can talk a little bit about some of the other games that aren't as. Um, aren't as wild and, and necessarily, you know, maybe hard to convince girls to play. Um, Kings is one of them. I would think most of you guys have probably heard of Kings or, or Kings Cup. Uh, basically, you have a, a full beer, a full mixed drink or whatever in the middle. You spread all the all the cards in a card deck around the cup, and you pick each one, and each number has some meaning to it, whether it's, you know, um, uh for some examples, like three is me, you have to drink, four is floor, everyone touches the floor, last person touches the floor, has to drink. And in every um, every number, there's a rule associated with, like, the loser, whoever, whoever um, you know, doesn't do something fast enough has to drink. So that's one game. Another game is um, Never Have I Ever, which kind of, like, you know, leads to people sharing a lot of things, um, a lot of times sexual things or, you know, party-related things 
or things they might be embarrassed of. Uh, and basically how that game works is you say something that you haven't done that you think maybe other people in the group have done. And if you have done it, you have to drink and put a finger down and you start with five or 10 fingers and whoever runs out of fingers first is, you know, loses or, you know, wins at life, depending on how you want to look at it. But um, that's never how I ever, and, you know, truth or dare, I'm sure everyone kind of knows there's some other games that, that aren't quite as hard to pull off as the ice game can be at times. Um, and then I think the other big thing about after parties, like Robbie was talking about, um, if, if it is kind of flowing nicely, people are already sort of paired up. The after party is a perfect time to go into rapport, you know, more legit conversations. Whereas at the club, I mean, you didn't have any opportunity to do that. So this is your opportunity to deflect those conversation skills now and, you know, and, and really show that, that part of your game, get to know each other a little bit, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I guess the only other one, which, which I'll run into sometimes because I'm not as aggressive as, as a guy as some of my other friends, I, I don't think, um, is getting the girl, you know, back into your room. Because, you know, you've already got to the after party. That's like the final step where, you know, she has to resolve herself being a slut or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, that, that whole thought process of a girl being like, okay, I'm going to this room, something's going to happen. So that's always, I feel like, the, you know, the, 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 the sort of biggest one to, to get through at least in an after-party situation where you're trying to isolate the girl, you know, back into your bed. Uh, and one of the good ones that I think Rob uses a lot too, that I've started using more and more, is having a, a Rolodex of a few YouTube videos that are funny, cool, whatever. Um, and, you know, basically bring your, be like, oh, I got to show you this video. You know, your laptop happens to be in your room on your bed. And, you know, all of a sudden you're watching a few funny YouTube videos, you know, on your bed with the girl. And then it's pretty easy from there to go make out and, you know, close the door. And it's not like this, it doesn't make any sort of scene where other people, you know, see what's going on or, you know, hear that you're asking her back to your room. So I, that, that, I guess, is just one final piece that, that I'd throw out there. I don't know if Max or, or Rob, you want to add anything? I mean, that's that's the, the go-to kind of my, my favorite way, like is, you know, hey, come check out this video. I've got them queued up. I know which videos are great. We even have a um, a section in the university which has a playlist of funny videos. Um, but, you know, you always want to keep those updated for, like, new relevant videos. Like, recently, the uh, the Thug Life yeah. animal videos are, like, awesome. Because most of them are, are, are dated. So, like, that's, like, part of the value of, like, being up to date and, yeah. you know, following certain accounts on Facebook that have, like, relevant funny material because guaranteed like any girl is going to have seen that and that's what the problem is with memes too is that like most memes like people have seen so it's just trying to have relevant new content yeah you need have to have new, new funny videos have you have um you guys ever i use the hot crazy matrix a lot with girls and it works like a fucking charm you guys use that what one is that? the hot crazy what? matrix it's kind of counterintuitive it's, rob you know the hot crazy oh matrix, yeah right? yeah it's yeah, it's hilarious yeah, 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 it's the one where the, yeah. the guy basically is, you know, he's super deadpan, looks like a professor, and is breaking down, you know, everything a man needs to know about, you know, dating women. And it's it's the crazy axis versus the hot axis, and there's a hot crazy line, and, you know, all this shit, and he says it with, you know, the most hilarious deadpan voice. Um, and I think that was great, because it's funny as hell, it's true as hell, I mean, it's like, it's dead on, and girls kind of know that it's true. And it makes them start to think like, oh, what category do I fall into? And it almost makes them a little bit like, you know, 
it, it kind of puts them in their place a little bit, I think, which which always kind of you know helps with the power dynamics. So that, that's one that I like, guys. If you it's also and it's also great because you can transition to that video. You can start talking about social dynamics, and you can lead into like, oh my god, I have to show you this video about blah blah blah, and um, or if you're talking about you know different dynamics or like, oh your friend's crazy. She's like a she's like a you know appears to be a unicorn, but she's actually just the scale on the matrix. So be like, what matrix? Be like, you don't know the hot crazy matrix? You got to check out this video. And then you're off to the races. Yep. Um, all right, so I'm done. That was what I had, uh, had down for club game and some after-party stuff. So do you guys have any questions? Or uh, Yeah, no, that, thanks for all that awesome info from both Ben and Maxwell. Um, Hey, what's up? This is uh, Shaban. I have a quick question. Uh, as far as like logistics uh, from the club to the after party, like when you're on an Uber, any uh, recommendations on conversation topics there? And if you should like engage the entire group or like a, you know the the people next to you in the car? Um, have a DJ. Um, you know you can hook up Uber to Spotify. So make sure your Uber is up to date and you're able to play DJ. Um, and, you know, make sure someone's like on point. Like another important thing is wrangling girls to the after party, pulling girls that are outside. Like it's, it, if you have a bunch of girls and you're all piling into an SUV, it's important to kind of herd them. You know, you're kind of like a shepherd because girls can go in all sorts of different directions outside of a club and other guys will be grabbing at them and stuff. Um, but what you can get away with as far as like throwing girls into a car, you know, granted there's other girls in there and you're not doing anything <laughs> you know, against the law. Right. Um, you just kind of want to create a party environment in the car and it's usually a five to 10 minute ride tops. So just have some music going, shoot the shit with the girl next to you. Um, you know, Ben, we've had some, some tough ride home after party experiences in the Hamptons with like a 45 minute ride. <laughs> oh yeah, those are brutal. Those are tough. Some of those even beat us. I gotta say, but um, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of it's about the DJ. A lot of times, I nominate girls to be DJ. I don't know about you guys, I I fucking cannot care less about you know being DJ Maxwell. I mean, I know you're in the music business, so you probably feel differently about this. But I'd much prefer to nominate oh, girls I, to be I, DJ. It gives them something yeah, to do. Fucking you know, keeps they, you know, they get to listen to what they Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you're the same. So um, I always nominate girls to do it. Gives them something to do. You know, also search the power dynamic. Um, I'm trying to think what else in the car. Yeah, I mean, the car is another good time, I mean, to do some of that conversation and report stuff that you haven't had any time to do it all in the club, you know? So so maybe do a little bit of that while you're on the ride back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess that would be my best advice for that one. Good good, good question, Shabon. Does that give you some stuff to, to use? Yeah, I, I definitely like the uh, the making the girls the DJ suggestion. I, I think we actually did that a few times in the Hamptons. It seemed to work pretty well. It, it keeps yeah. them pacified. Yeah, yeah, it keeps them kind of occupied too. And then you can kind of start ragging on them for it. Whenever there's like a break in the music, you're like, yo, DJ, come on, like, do your job already. For any of you guys that are on mute that have questions, make sure you take yourself off so we can hear you. Hey, Ben, uh, what's your suggestion on trying to build your network of girlfriend, like hot girlfriends in the city? Hmm. Um, I think a lot of it goes back to, you know, 
what I was saying earlier, when it comes to don't, don't do anything that's going to alienate yourself and kind of like blacklist you from a girl group. Um, I think that's definitely one. And then just, you know, be, be friendly, generous, but not overly generous that you just look like a pushover push pussy. It's, it's kind of a little bit of a hard balance. Yeah, um, I, I, identi- I like identify chicks who like either, you know, I have no interest in or who could be like a really great catalyst for like a big group. So, you know, friend zoning the shit out of girls to like open up that group of friends. And now you have kind of like a, a group of girls that can, can come out and, and, you know, be an asset to any situation. Totally. I mean, I think that's a big mentality shift, you know, for a lot of guys is the friend zone isn't bad. Use it to your advantage. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the king of, you know, I friend zoned the girl. She introduced me to a bunch of her friends. I banged a bunch of her friends. And then two years later, I ended up fucking her too. You know, it's not, I, it's, it's not bad to end up in the friend zone. It doesn't mean that you're never going to get sex from her or, and, you know, and it definitely will help you with the friends. Um, but either way, it's going to help you. You know, it's going to help you um, going to clubs. It's going to help you at bars, sort of having that social proof um, and just, you know, meeting new women in general. So I would just say, make a point to make girlfriends, you know, not just the girls that you can take out on dates and, and hook up with, but like actually make a goal of making friends that are girls. Yeah. I think a lot of guys don't do that. Um, specifics, though, specifics are tough. I mean, for me, the way that I've always done it is I've added value to girls by bringing them the good time, you know? So if there's a way that you can do that, you know, being, you know, having the access, you know, having the invites and, and, you know, sort of being able to bring them into fun environments has been, you know, my biggest value add and, and why I've able to, you know, been able to, to build my girl network so, so big and so quickly. Cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, quick question. Um, if you're going to do a pre-party, um, how far in advance do you think it, it's good to invite the, the girls to that? Like how many days in advance? How many people? How many people, like how many people at the party? Are we talking like 10, 15 people or are we talking like 50 people? Yeah, not, not something huge, not something too crazy. Yeah, probably 10 to 15. Maybe 20. Yeah. Then I would say day before, maybe two days before. What do you guys think? Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, you don't want to invite him at like, you know, 6 p.m. that night because there's no way the girls will be ready in time. So the day before is pretty pretty close, yeah. Yeah, probably the, probably the day before. Two days before is probably too much because most girls haven't totally figured out what they're doing yet. Um, so you're going to get way more flake factor and just girls, you know, saying they don't know what they're doing yet. Yeah, it's the day before. Got it. Yeah, the other thing I really want you guys to encourage you guys to do, especially, you know, I think everyone on the call is from either L.A., New York, or Phoenix. Um, You know, organize this with the other guys in the group. You know, have all of you bring, like, a couple girls to a pre-party. You meet the other girls first. When you meet girls before going out with them to the club, it's a whole different experience. Like, if I know I'm going out with Ben and girls in the moho, I always try to make it a point to like meet them before I get into the club because then I'm friends. I'm relevant. I'm not just some new guy at the club who then shows up to the after party. Um, that extra, you know, meeting them beforehand is, is huge. It makes all the difference. And it almost doesn't even matter how long, 
You know, I mean, it, oh, yeah. you can be there for 10 minutes before, as long as you're rolling with the crew and not just kind of like a tag along add on at the table later. It, it makes a world of difference. I agree. Well, I think that's a good place to end the call. Um, went a little long, but lots of good info. Thanks again for uh, your contribution, Ben and Maxwell and some really good questions, guys.